our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe. We praise your holy name for another Sabbath, and we praise your name for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word. We ask that it become alive in our lives. I want you to speak through me for your honor and glory, and for you to speak to each one of us personally. In Yeshua's holy name, amen. Our lesson today is out of 2 Chronicles 25, as well as 2 Kings 13 and 14, a little bit out of everything. And we're looking at Kings Jehoash, king of Israel, and Amaziah, king of Judah. And so, off our chart here, the kings from the north, uh, king of, kings of Israel, we'll be looking a little bit at uh, Jehoahaz and his son Jehoash. Uh, they overlap a little bit uh, in our discussion tonight. And in the south, we're going to be talking about Joash a little bit here in this first part. Elisha is still alive at this point in our study. And uh, so, picking up from 2 Kings 13, Jehoahaz, king of Israel, rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. And then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned 16 years. And so again, a lot of similar names there, and a lot of overlapping, and actually these two. Um, Jehoash, king of Israel, Jehoash's son, has the same name as Joash, king of Judah. And so for these few years, there's an overlapping of two kings with the same exact name. Now sometimes both of them are called Jehoash, for whatever, however, for whatever reason, uh, and, but both of them have those both names, uh, and so through the, the Second Kings and Second Chronicles, both of them are referred to by both names, and so you got to know if you're reading about the, the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah in, in its, its relationship. Okay, so, uh, and he did evil, this Joash, of, the, of king of Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them. So again, they're referring all the way back, hundreds of years, to that first king of the northern tribes of Israel, who uh, led them away from David's uh, dynasty, from, uh, from Solomon, broke off after Solomon, and led them into sin with the golden calves. But at least they're not still back to where Ahab had brought us, down to worshiping Baal. And so, uh, not as bad as that in some ways. Now the rest of the acts of Joash, king of Israel, already did and his might in which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of Chronicles the king, of the kings of Israel? Okay, so that's all the book of Kings, Second Kings says about that king, Joash, king of Israel. The verses we just read, that's it. That's the totality of it. But it says, if you want to read more, go to the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel. And so let's do that. We're going to turn to Chronicles and we're going to see what it has to say there and how he fought against Amaziah, the king of Judah. So for whatever reason, the writer of 2 Kings didn't decide to, to get into that whole discussion on that. A lot of times these two books write exactly the same thing, strange enough. Um, but in this one, for whatever reason, he wanted to leave that story out. But he gives us enough information about it to get us searching for where the information might be. So, okay, so that we got rid of the 
Joahaz on the top. Now we're just going to focus on his son, Jehoaz, also known as Joash. And uh, Joash is now gone, and we're now going to be talking down in the south of Judah, his son, Amaziah. Okay, so we just transition to the next kings here. So in 2 Chronicles 24, Joash, king of Judah, again the south, now just in review of who he is, he was killed by his servants because he killed Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, who was the high priest, uh, and Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Okay, so jog our memory a little bit. There's Joash. He's the seven-year-old boy king. Maybe that's how we remember him for the rest of our lives, right? He's the seven-year-old boy. Well, he eventually grew up, and, uh, and after Jehoiada, who had raised him, the high priest, who saved his life, and his, uh, Jehoiada's wife saved his life, uh, ends up departing from the Lord after Jehoiada dies, uh, after maybe 30 years of reigning, he ends up reigning 40 years. And uh, so by the end of his reign, he's 47 years old. And somewhere along that line, after Jehoiada dies, it's somewhere 30 years or so into his reign. And before he uh, gets killed by his servants, he kills Zechariah, Jehoiada's son. Okay, that's still all just in review. Getting us to the point that his son, Amaziah, is now reigning in his place. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoiadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. So he, uh, he, he uh, became king when he was 25 years old, so he was probably old enough to at least have some years while uh, Jehoiada was still alive. Jehoiada lived 130 years and so he had some overlapping there, and uh, he had a godly mother as well, uh, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. When his kingdom was established, he executed his servants who murdered his father, the king. And, uh, you know, they, they were, one was a Moabite, one was an Amorite. It's kind of interesting, they, they murdered the king. Uh, because he had murdered the high priest. Because he murdered the son of Jehoiada. And so they murdered him. And we could say that might have been a just murder, and maybe God-led murder, uh, bringing judgment upon him. But still, you know, the king, whatever he had to say, face, his father got killed by these guys, and so he had to do something, I guess, and he did something. He has them executed. But, or yet, he did not execute their children, as it is written in the law of the book of Moses. The fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor the children for their fathers. A person shall die for his own sin. So this King Amaziah, he's, he's taken on the throne, and he's taking control, and he's showing his leadership, or at least that he's in power now, and he's executing anyone who executed his father, the servants. But, He's wanting to follow the biblical, the Torah, and, and follow the instructions given to us. And so he executes them, but makes a point of not executing their children, because that's what the Bible said to do. So we do see right off the bat, he is wanting to follow God, wanting to do what is right according to the word of God, even how he executes his enemies, or what could be perceived as an enemy, they executed his father. Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands 
and of hundreds according to their father's houses. He numbered them from 20 years old and above, 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle the spear and shield. All right, so he's amassing an army, a big army, 300,000 choice men ready to go to war. And so he's organizing and he's setting up and he's preparing. We saw a lot of the godly kings doing things like this. And so he is uh, preparing to protect the kingdom. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. So he's added to his 300 another 100, giving him 400. So now 25% of his army is from Israel, from the north. And he buys them for 100 talents of silver. One talent is equal to 3,000 shekels. A hundred talents would be 300 shekels. A shekel, a silver shekel, equal to what today's value of what a silver shekel would be in weight would be about $6. And so 300,000 silver shekels would be equal to a little under $2 million. So he gets these, two million, uh, gets these 100,000 soldiers for $2 million in today's money. That might sound like a lot. Does that sound like a lot? Does that sound like a lot to you? But in military money, that's nothing. No, I guess he hired him for, to fight the war. Yeah, to go to battle or fight along. I don't know. Uh, well, I do know. Uh, he hired him for a certain battle he was planning. And, uh, and so, again, two million might sound like a lot to us, but again, military budget, that's, that's nothing. That's, you know, that's what they spend on screws, you know, or something like that malt, right? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, latrine, right? <laughs> One latrine. Uh, a hole in the ground might be $2 million, right? So, uh, and when you figure that per person, it's only $18 each soldier. So I don't know how much the king of Israel, the northern tribe, got a cut out of that $2 million or under $2 million. Uh, so each soldier is valued at $18 a soldier. I don't know how much the soldier gets out of that $18. Again, you know, the king of Israel said, well, I'll, I'll sell them to you or I'll loan them to you. I'll rent them out to you uh, for uh, $1,800,000. And however much cut Israel gets out of that, I don't know. So how much the soldier ends up with is not a whole lot. Right? Would you go to war and join an army for $9 or even $18? So why would they do it? No doubt, because they were told, we're going to war, you come join with us, and whatever spoils you get, you keep. That's where they made their money. They didn't make their money off getting paid by the government. They made their money off the spoils that they would take home. That's what would make it worthwhile to go and join some other country's army uh, for $18, or even less than $18. That's not $18 a day, that's $18 for a war. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, they'd be hoping for some good spoils. But, 2 Chronicles 25, verse 7, But a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help 
and to overthrow. Man of God comes. Now, it doesn't say who the man of God is. Could be Elijah. Elijah was often referred to as the man of God, the man of God. Could have been some other man of God. We don't get his name. But he comes and he gives this message, a straight message. Don't bring them with you. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't have your army unequally yoked with believers and unbelievers. You're doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. You can't have these other guys with you. They are not doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. They are not with God. God is not with them. Do not bring them along. But he gives them freedom of choice. But he says, you know, but if you want to go, go. Be strong as you can. But God shall make you fall. God has power to help you if you want. And God has power to make you fall. But you can try if you want. Go ahead. Be gone. Be strong. Do your best. Try your hardest. But it's not my advice. And he leaves him with that. So Amaziah, he's left with this decision, you know, he had this whole war planned and he felt he needed 400,000 men for this. That's why he went and hired. I'm sure he didn't want to, you know, spend two million for nothing. And so he, he this was part of his plans. So and now what is he going to do if he's out another one, 25% of his army, one quarter of his army? If he's out that, he might not win the battle. Wouldn't fit his calculation that he had and the plans that he had for fighting this battle. Tough, tough decision, right? What should he do? What does he do? Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents I have given to the troops of Israel? I spent two million dollars, close to two million dollars already. They're not going to give me their eighteen dollars back. <laughs> you know, I'm around two million dollars, and so it meant a lot to him. And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Whew. Tough decision. Might not win the battle. Unless he trusts the Lord. The prophet said, the Lord is able to give you victory or give you defeat. The Lord is able to help you or he's able to overthrow you. Which do you want? Do you want God's help? Do you want God's power? Or do you want to be overthrown? Do you want defeat? What do you want? God is able. Do you want to follow the Lord's way? Or do you want to follow what seems right in your own eyes? But I'll lose the money. Don't worry about the money. God can give you more than that. This sounds very much like many discussions I've heard and that I've had with people. Follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Do what the Bible says. But, 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 my boss. But, 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 my spouse. But, 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 but. I'll lose this. I spent this much already. I've invested this much already. I'll lose it all. God is able to give you victory. Follow his way. With God, less is more. Do we want to follow God's way all the way? Talked a few weeks ago. How God can make 90% go a whole lot further than 100%. Trusting in the Lord. Do we want to follow his way? Or do we want to follow in our own way? That's what the prophet's basically asking him. 
And the king's coming up with all these excuses, all these reasons. I wonder if there's some area in our life where we can relate to something like this. If we try to do business, you know, it's hard to get a good deal from a bad guy. And you try to enter into some business situation, the guy has a sale, you know, you go on eBay, whatever, and the guy's got an 83% rating, but he's got the best price. <laughs> a whole bunch of people wrote in, and he, he didn't send them what they wanted, or he sent them broken parts, but you know what? He's got the best price. We enter into shady business deals, or partnerships with people who are not walking with the Lord. He seemed like a nice enough person. Needed the help. Prophet, you're saying, doesn't matter. You don't need the help. You need God. You need God's blessing. You need God on your side. You don't need the money. You need God. Better to lose the money that you wasted investing in the wrong way than to lose your life, to lose your soul. There's a way that seems right unto a person. And the way there is, is death. Might have all reasons, all rationale, and on a surface level, on a human level, the king's logic made sense. I need more fighters, I need more men, I need more people to win this battle. They've got this many, we've got this many, we need this many more. These people are willing to help. They're relatives of ours. We've got some friendly relationships going on. What's wrong with that? Their enemy is our enemy, or our enemy is their enemy, and so we've got a mutual agreement. We're going to divide the spoils equally. They'll get 25%, we'll get 75%. We got a contract. Seems like a good deal. But is it a good deal? Is it a good partnership? Was that person a good hire? Is that the type of place to be? Is that the type of thing to invest funds in? Is that where to spend our time or our energy? Better to be with the Lord than all the human reasoning in the world. That's the prophet's message to the king. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the men. God can give you power and God can give you much more than this. Better to write it off as a loss and to be with the Lord than to try to get something that God hasn't blessed. I think many of us can relate to circumstances in our life, either current or past, where we've gotten, a raw, a, gotten a, involved in something we shouldn't have gotten involved in. We made some promises, we signed some contracts that we should have never done. And we feel, well, I've got to follow through on it because I promised, because I signed my name. Better to take a loss and get out and to be where God doesn't want us to be, than to be doing what God doesn't want us to be doing. Apologize, make some kind of 
reconciliation and, and recompense for their loss? The trouble you caused? Breaking your promise? Breaking the contract? Whatever? Better to be where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to be doing, than to be suffering loss. Because we're, and suffer loss if necessary, than to not have God's blessing. That's the message from the prophet. That's the message from the man of God. Amaziah is weighing this out and debating this in his mind. So what's he going to do? Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim, from Israel, to go back home. Praise God. Therefore their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. They got to keep the $18. What are they angry about? <laughs> They wanted the spoils, it was an insult to them, cost them more than $18 to walk down there, they spent that on lunch, you know. <laughs> and now they're angry, going back home. Sometimes we'll make people angry because we've made stupid commitments, because we've made wrong choices, because we've made promises we shouldn't have made. And that's what happens here. And Amaziah strengthened himself. And leading his people, he went to the Valley of Salt, that's where the Dead Sea is, and killed 10,000 people of Seir, it's Moab, and cast 10,000 down from the top of a rock. God gave him strength, and they won the battle. Even without the 100,000 guys. They won the battle. They didn't need them to begin with. He took courage, he believed in the word of God, he believed in the prophet, and he followed God's instruction in that way. Did what was right, and God blessed. God provided him with them with victory rather than defeat. But as for the soldiers of the army of Amaziah that Amaziah had discharged, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Bethlehem, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. That's the 100,000 that he let go, that went home very angry. Well, on their way home, in their anger, they decided to take some spoil with them. And they killed 3,000 people in doing it. And these 3,000 people must have been, you know, innocent children and women because, I mean, the army was down at the Dead Sea. The, the army was down at the, sea, the, salt, the salt flats. And these guys just went and they had open game, I mean, you know, and they just, horrible, horrible things. That's what happens when you mess with bad people. So why didn't God protect them? Why didn't God bless? What happened? They obeyed God, he did what was right, he listened to the man of God. He discharged them. He didn't ask for the $18 back. And he still lost. Sometimes we bear the consequences of our wrong choices. God did bless. God did give them victory over the people of Seir. They did give them battle over the Moabites. Gave them victory in that war. They won it. Won it decisively. 
But sometimes we cannot erase or backtrack the events because of the wrong choices we've made. And so sometimes we'll have to pay the price. But what was the option? Could have kept those guys, 100,000, and brought them with them to war? And what would have happened? They would have lost the war. And then lost much more. Instead of losing 3,000 people, they would have lost much more. And who knows what would have happened then after that. Even then, those guys might have still come back through angry with whoever was left and taken spoils with them from Judah and killed people in Judah. You know, we went to war with you and we lost this warrior, a horrible king, a horrible commander, and still been angry. Angry people will still be angry. We don't have to necessarily do anything to make them angry. Sometimes people are just angry. There's some other reason. And so sometimes it's better for us to just stay away from those that are angry. Those that are not following the Lord. Again, unless we're there, God calls us to be there to share God's love with them, to draw them to him. But that's not what the king was doing. The king didn't hire 100,000 of them to witness to them. He didn't pay them $18 to attend his worship service. He didn't pay them $18 to come to the temple. He paid them $18 to go to war with him. So his purpose was not necessarily to witness to them, to bring God's love into their life, to share the everlasting gospel with them, to tell them of the Messiah to come, to tell them of the temple services, that they don't need to worship golden calves, that God has provided a temple for us in Jerusalem where we bring sacrifices morning and evening, and, and for our own personal sins we bring sacrifices that substitute, that die as our substitutes, that foreshadow the Messiah to come. Now, if that was his purpose of meeting with them and mingling with them, and if they were open and receptive, that'd be another story. But that's not what his purpose was. His purpose wasn't to reveal the Messiah to them. His purpose was just a business deal to help win the war. And so even in business, the principle of not being equally yoked is a dangerous partnership. And while he ended up losing, the 3,000 people lost their lives, innocent people lost their lives, and they lost a bunch of spoil. And sometimes in our life, because of some choices that we've made in our past, sometimes we, you know, when we cut those situations off and we break free of that, doesn't necessarily mean we won't suffer loss. Doesn't mean they won't necessarily sue us, and, and rightfully so, and maybe win. Because we signed a contract with them. We signed a deal with them. We made a promise to them. And sometimes that's the end result. Sometimes we will lose. Sometimes we will lose the close to two million we originally invested. And sometimes we'll lose on top of that as well. But better to lose some financial and even some, in this situation, lives and be right with God than to remain in partnership which, with those that will drag us down and cause even greater loss in our lives. I think that's an important lesson for us. I know a young man, 18 years old now, maybe 19, I think 18, who used to attend services with us when he was a little kid. And this past week, 
hanging around with some people he shouldn't have been hanging around with. And they went around town, maybe you read it in the news, they went around town with a pellet gun, shooting people randomly as they were driving around. I think like 20 people or something they shot. He'd never done anything like that before. These other two kids had quite a list of offenses and run-ins with the law and, and times in, in juvie court, court and other things. And he was with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong thing. And he ended up in jail and has a court hearing coming. Affect him the rest of his life. It's hard to get a job when you have a record, any record, it's hard to, harder to get a job when you have a record for assault with a deadly weapon, which is what the initial charges are. Hanging around with the wrong crowd, hanging around with the wrong people. Better for him to have stood up and said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going along with that. Sorry, guys. I'm cutting out of here. They could have been angry. They could have done something to him. They could have shot the pellet gun at him. They could, who knows? Sometimes we put ourselves in wrong places that get us in trouble. And sometimes we suffer loss. But better to cut it off. Better, of course, not to get ourselves in that kind of a situation. Pray each morning and be led by God each day. But if we find ourselves promising something and getting involved in something or asking for something and partnering with someone or some situation that we shouldn't be, as soon as it comes to our mind, as soon as God's Spirit convicts us, as soon as God sends someone in our life, a man of God, a woman of God, to bring that to our minds, better to cut it off and deal with the consequences like he did. He lost it close to two million up front and then lost on the back end as well. Better to suffer the human consequences than suffer the consequences that come from God. And I pray none of us are in a bad situation right now or a situation we shouldn't be. But if we are, I pray God's conviction that you break loose from it and make a right choice now and be set free. Like the man of God said, but if you want to go, go, be strong. But God will not be with you. God is able to give you power. God is able to give you defeat. Pray we'll make the right choice. And if you're worried about the finances, God is able to give you much more than that. As the man of God said. And he is. He is able to give us much more than that. I've seen people try and make money off these pyramid schemes and these other things. God is able to give us much more than that. <laughs> you know, these type of things, shady type things, or get rich quick type things. All you got to do is give them $100. <laughs> I never worked a job that I had to pay to get the job. God is able to give us much more than that.
So as we pray together, if we're in any type of situation like this, or we can pray for God's grace to keep us out of any type of situation like this as we move into, our, into the future in our lives. So we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, Lord, we are thankful for your word and we're thankful for the lessons and warnings we can learn from it. We are thankful you are the everlasting God and we are thankful for your mercy and your forgiveness that we can receive because of the sacrifice of your son. We're thankful, Yeshua, that you came as the, as the Lamb of God to die for our mistakes, to die for our sins, to wash our records clean. And we want that applied to our lives for any wrong choices we have made, for any mistakes we have made. We thank you for your forgiveness. And Lord, for any of us here that are in some type of wrong situation, we've partnered in some way with something, some group or something, try and do some common cause, maybe, maybe have it against a common enemy, but their lives are not right, they're not following you, they're not wanting to follow you. They're not wanting to hear about you. Or whatever type of situation. Lord, give us the ability to take a stand and to walk away. To turn away. Regardless of the consequences here on earth. Lord, give us a godly fear to be more concerned about the consequences in heaven. Lord, we want you to be with us. We want your blessings. We want you to give us victory. We want you to give us the much more in the here and in the future as well. And so give us the courage now and the wisdom in our lives into the future. In Yeshua's holy name.